back. Just like I said, we'd be back. I've taken the intro over again. This is For the Glory KC. We're bringing a mix of in-depth Kansas City soccer knowledge and a more casual perspective. I'm Chad Smith, associate editor at KCSoccerJournal.com, who's going to take you hopefully a little bit more in-depth. And I'm joined, as always, by my wife, Sheena, who gives that casual perspective. Hey, Sheena, what's up? Hey, Chad, where's my wrestling name? I've given up on it. Um, I'm uh, too depressed to think of wrestling titles. Uh, until the team wins, you don't get any wrestling nickname anymore. Okay. I would also take a UFC name. Oh, okay. I'll, uh, I'll I'll work that into the next one. But they need to win. Okay. Somebody has to win first. So we're, oh, recording this on a, <laughs> we're recording this on a Tuesday. Maybe the current one since we recorded this. So we'll come back and we'll talk about that later. But... I want to talk to y'all. We got a sponsor. Hey, this is exciting. So we have a new sponsor. If you guys have heard of the website backheel.com, they sell this like premium subscription service. It's called Backheel Insights. It gives MLS fans and betters detailed analysis for every single game. It's powered by the Insights proprietary model. Plus, you get a full description of every team, including depth charts, scattering reports, stats, and absences. And if you use our link, you can get 10% off an annual Insight subscription today. So all you have to do is go to backheel.com, and this is a tough one, slash for hyphen the hyphen glory hyphen KC hyphen insights. That's so much. I got to get Joe to give me a shorter link. So I'm going to put that in the <laughs> description of the podcast. You all can go and click the link from the description. I'll put it on the uh, website, um, KC Soccer Journalist as well, in case you saw it that way. So, hey, a sponsor. Look at it, Sheena. We're moving on up over here. We may oh, be yeah. making dollars, cents even. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we All don't right. do it for the money. We do it for the love of the game and because I'm a supportive wife, so you can talk about it. There you go. That's very true. So on today's <laughs> show, we are going to preview Sporting Kansas City versus the New England Revolution. We're going to preview the Kansas City Current versus the Orlando Pride because, again, that uh, midweek game has already happened. And we're going to, of course, do the digital crawl, y'all. Sheena, do you want to just get right to this? Yeah, let's do it. I've had All right. Too exciting of a day that I don't want to talk about anything but soccer. All I'll say is welcome, everybody. Even if you're hate listening to the podcast, we're happy <laughs> to have you here. So let's talk Sporting Kansas City and the New England Revolution. They head onto the road. They're heading to the Boston area, uh, you know, Foxborough, technically, in the uh, New Stadium. Yeah, yeah, the New England Patriots Stadium, uh, 6.30 p.m. Central Time on Saturday night. So I figured we'd start off with a little bit of an injury update. Our buddy Daniel Sperry over the KC Star was at training, actually with my colleague Thad Bell. Thad, tweet about the stuff you see at training. Sperry did tweet. So we got a little info. Nemanja Radoya, who we haven't seen since he went down, what was it, 30 minutes into his first ever start, give or take. He's back in training. This was as of Tuesday. Uh, we already knew that Gadi Kenda and Logan and Dembe were in training. They're still fully participating as far as we can tell. The only kind of downer news was that Tim Leibold still not involved in training yet. So he's likely to be the the left back of this team if he ever gets healthy. Uh, he's kind of in the same boat. He got hurt in that Galaxy game after, I want to say, 70-ish minutes. And he pulled up. Dang hamstrings. Just got a hamstring problem in Kansas City. Kind of injury problem in Kansas City soccer. Whether it's the men's team, the women's team, it's just people getting hurt all the way around. But one little extra update that we got based on a question that Thad asked was that uh, the New England Revolution, as you may know, they play on turf because it's a football stadium. And Vermees said he's not going to put Gotti Kinda out there on the turf, but that the turf would not be a restriction for Radoya or Ndembe. 
and that they are in the mix to return to the game. So that's kind of exciting that we have some options on the table. How are you feeling about this updated, not official injury report that we got early in the week? I'm feeling okay. I don't feel like realistically, if either of them get um, in the game, I feel like they'll come in like the last maybe 10 to 15 minutes. So I'm not super excited, but it's good to know they're on the horizon. All right. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited myself, honestly, about this. Now, I'm with you. I don't think that they're going to be starters by any means. And I think Vermees talked about how patient he's been this year. And then it felt like a light bit of impatience to start Rodoya that one game, start Leibold the game. They both got hurt the games they started. How freaking crazy is that it's just like really wearing me down like what is happening in training that these guys are so banged up when they get into the game they're immediately getting hurt again or maybe he's just signing injury prone guys i'm not sure but i'm hoping this is a sign of good things to come i do think that logan and dembe probably would have subbed into the last game had it not been for the robert castellanos red card it it felt like i mean peter vermees is a planner right he has a plan somebody's going to play 30 minutes 20 minutes 15 minutes whatever it may be but he's on the bench. You think he's going to use him, and then he doesn't end up getting in because you don't want to strain him by having him run as a part of a 10-man team. Kind of like how he subbed Polito out early because you need to take a forward off and put a defender on when you lost a center back, and who better to take off than the guy who's struggling and returning from injury. I agree with that. I Yeah, it's a, I kind of forgot that at the beginning of the season, Vermees said he was you know, more patient, but is he being too patient? Cause I don't know. It feels like with the way the season has gone, you would just make different choices. But then again, like you said, when he got impatient, we got more injuries. So I don't know. Yeah. And I don't even know if it's impatience or anything at this point, but Sheena, I'll tell you really quick. Cause this is exactly what's going to happen. Of course, there's 26 games to go. You can get three points per game with the win. I imagine sporting's on the verge of a 26 game winning streak. That's 78 points. I believe oh my that gosh. might be at or near an MLS record for points in a season. So I don't see why that doesn't happen. So you're saying they're going to have the worst record starting the season and then the best ever record ending the season. I mean, it seems completely plausible to me. I don't know why you have this like scoffy tone as you're talking to me. (laughs) Oh boy. Well, Uh, we'll see how that plays out for you. I'm being sarcastic, of course. Uh, To give you an idea, last year, the ninth place team, the Vancouver Whitecaps had 43 points. That's what they would need this year to make the playoffs. So They need just a little bit more than half of the available remaining points. Oh, that's actually kind of grim because that's kind of hard to do. So still not looking super great for sporting, but that's no news to anybody, right? But you know what? If they can get it together, it seems like the last part of the season is going to be a lot of home games since there's been a lot of road games to start the season. So if they can maybe pull it together, which... I'm not hopeful they can, but if there's some crazy scenario they can, then, you know, typically at home you do better. So maybe, but I don't know. It seems very grim at this point. Yeah, you got to get more than two points through your first eight games. It's it's pretty dang bleak, but you're right. This is the sixth road game of the season. It'll only be the ninth game overall. Kind of weird how unbalanced the schedule has been to start the year, but obviously it has to balance itself out. Eventually you get 17 home and 17 road games. Maybe they'll get hot and they'll just go steamrolling through the playoffs. They'll be the most dangerous team. I don't know. They got to show us something before that. I'm clearly losing my mind right now because they haven't scored any goals and you got to score some goals. Let's switch gears. Let's talk about... Hey, stop being so positive. 
Okay, I'll work on that. Uh, so let's talk <laughs> about let's talk about something that happened this week. Actually, just today, I believe it as of this recording. It was Ben Sweat, everybody's favorite eighth on the depth chart left back. Ben Sweat signed with the New England Revolution. So Sporting will play Ben Sweat this weekend. Sheena, first, what do you think? Is Ben Sweat going to play in the game? And if he does, is he going to score? So it feels like if you're the coach of the New England Revolution, which I don't know who their coach is. Bruce Arena, very famous MLS coach. Oh, very similar to the former Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Arizona Cardinals coach name, right? Bruce Arians? Yeah, I suppose. Um, okay. This is where Sheena's casual shines through. That She's never <laughs> heard of Bruce Arena, who has coached the Revolution to a fantastic season a couple of years ago. A bunch of titles with the LA Galaxy. He used to coach the U.S. men's national team. You know, ever heard of him, Sheena? I don't know. Yeah, you know what? That does sound a little Failed familiar. to qualify for the World Cup with old Bruce. Oh, he did. yeah. He was the coach at a better time in the U.S. men's history as well. He was the coach twice for them. Okay. Well, I just had flashbacks of Bruce Arena or whatever the guy nope, is. Nope, Bruce, Bruce Arians is what you were just okay. talking about. Well, very <laughs> One of those Bruce's. <laughs> yeah, very Bruce, similar. Bruce A. Bruce A. Okay, Bruce. Anyways, so if I were him, I would put him on because Benjamin Sweat is going to have a vengeance with this team and with sporting. And we've seen in the past, i.e. Diego Rubio, how players can play against sporting like former players and do well. I personally wouldn't put him in because he's still a liability. But, you know, I don't know. And maybe you know what they're defensive situation is if they really needed him to come in and start a game or if he's more of like a decent backup, which I think all along everyone would probably agree uh, before he started getting red cards and giving having us be the reason we lost games. He did make a good backup. He just wasn't a good starter. So I think he, if his intention for them is to be a backup, like I think he's a great backup option um, so yeah, a I great think, backup option. No, huh? I mean he's a backup <laughs> option. I take away the great part. He's a he warm a body option. <laughs> yeah. So, I, but I do think you know there's a little bit of drama behind this. You know that he just signed, and I was calling yesterday that he was signing with the team because I saw on Instagram he was flying somewhere, and I was like, and he had like the eye like emoji in his post. And I was like, oh, he's signing with the team. I didn't think it would be the team or playing this weekend. But man, what's some drama if he does come on the field? What do you think? Yeah, I don't think he'll play. And But if he did, I'm sure he'd find a way to score. Or maybe he'd forget which team he played for and help Sporting <laughs> score. like Or do one of those patented Ben Sweat giveaways and Sporting can turn it into a goal. Uh, I don't uh, let's, still. <laughs> yeah, first of all, even if he made a mistake and was on the field, he would not like we still wouldn't be able to score even if he made a detrimental unless it was an own goal, but right. He's going to just put it straight into the wrong net. That's what, I'm, yeah. that's what I'm planning on. I don't know. I feel like I'm, I thought honestly, when I saw the picture of him with the team today, I thought he was on the MLS next pro team because the guys he was in a picture with were so young. So Good for him that some MLS team was still willing to take him despite the flaws he's had with us. 
You know what this reminds me of is in the NFL when sometimes like players on the fringes of the roster, they get cut a lot more, right? Guys get released. They sign other players. They make moves because guys are hurt. I need another linebacker because I'm down some linebackers and I got too many tight ends. So I cut a tight end, you know, whatever. And then they'll go get somebody or they'll snag somebody off the practice squad of another team. And then just to come in and kind of give the scouting report of the team that said, I think the book has been written on what Peter's trying to do. And I can't imagine Bruce Arena is afraid of what Vermees is up to. But those two probably have a ton of respect for each other. They've coached against each other for a very, very long time. And yeah, it's it's MLS. You never know. To, as, to quote football, any given Sunday, you never know. Any given MLS season pass Saturday night, who, anything could go down, maybe. But let's talk I about feel the like ramifications. It is- but wait, is anyone scared of Peter Vermees right now? I mean, no, he... absolutely not. I mean, yeah, two okay. goals through eight games. Oh, by the way, two goals through eight games is literally the worst start in MLS history in terms of number of goals scored in, through eight games of the season. The previous low at this point was four. It was the so, Wizards, right? Wasn't it? Uh, oh, gosh. Was the Wizards? Know, don't, don't call me on this. I know this is the entire MLS four goals through eight games was the worst any team had ever done. And maybe it was the Wizards. That would be bad if it was if they have the first and second worst starts ever I to a season in the same I franchise. I saw that, but maybe it was for something else. You know, as a casual person, I don't get in the trenches. I just kind of see things here and there. I kind of see things here and them. there, too. That's why I'm only like partially in depth, a bit more in depth, as I like to say. So let's talk about the salary ramifications of this. This actually is a little bit of good news for Kansas City. Not that they're playing sweat. I could care one way or the other. Again, I don't think he's even going to play. But this helps sporting. Last year, 2022, we don't have the 2023 salary numbers yet. Ben Sweat made $200,000. That's he prob- crazy. I know. Well, players just make more in MLS than they used to make. So that's that's pretty decent wage for a backup guy that yeah. may, or may not play a ton. of. I'd, I'd take Ooh. 200 thousand dollars sign me up yeah who doesn't play well i don't know if they knew that going in he'd been a pretty consistent mls veteran but he's coming off a catastrophic knee injury when they signed him so again that's a peter vermese thing he signs these guys coming off injuries or guys that are injury prone anyways i digress he's probably at least was set to make two hundred thousand dollars this year with him being waived not this like mutually termination of agreement that they sometimes work out with players but being waived sporting sells to play pay all $200,000 of his wages now though the way i understand it from talking to the team is their salary offset language in his contract so basically whatever money new england pays him and they'd have to at least probably pay him the veteran minimum which is like 80 something thousand bucks would be offset for sporting's cap so that'll help them on their salary cap cuz he was in a senior roster spot Basically, the first 20 players on the team is what counts towards your your salary budget. And that'll help offset that just a little bit. So I think that that's a, just the tiniest of wins. <laughs> you get rid of Ben. Yeah, you hopefully start getting rid of those mistakes. Although there was a left back mistake last weekend. Looking at you, Volater, playing out of position over there. But I think in terms of uh, you know the tiniest gains, we, we just got to grasp on to any good news that we can put our hands on at this point for sporting. So... They saved a little money. Maybe they'll use that to sign another player. Peter did say when he cut Ben Sweat, I don't believe him, that he was cutting him because he needed to make a couple roster moves and that cleared up space so he could make, quote, one to two moves. My prediction is that he is going to sign another injury-prone player. So uh, Past his prologue, that is very likely to be the case. All right, a couple other things about the revolution. So I figured... To kind of preview them, we talk about some stuff that's related to Sporting Kansas City. You all may or may not have heard that Latif Blessing, y'all remember Latif, he was on Sporting in 2017, and LAFC stole him in the expansion draft for ahead of the, their debut season in 2018. 
Well, he was traded to the Revolution. When he was on Sporting, he was more of a winger, I would say. Mostly played winger, played a little bit of false nine, like striker, kind of like we're how Polito plays the role, but, you know, smaller and went down a lot easier. And Latif uh, is kind of developed by Bob Bradley over at LAFC into a bit of a midfielder. He plays some fullback sometimes in defense, but they're using him in the midfield. He's running all over the place. He's using that motor that he has, and he's been playing pretty well for New England. So it'll be kind of bittersweet. I'm always happy for players that they're finding success, but I'm a little bummed that that success is not with sporting. Especially because we could use a guy like Latif right now. Yeah, wouldn't be bad to have. It'd be a nice option, right? We've been kind of picking on poor Eric Tommy, who's overthinking the game. I think Tommy is a good player. I don't think you just forget how to be a good player. But if you had someone like Latif, you could sit Tommy down for a little bit and let him be the motor in the midfield and help out and not need Tommy to start every game. Hopefully, Gotti Kendall will be that here pretty soon when he's healthy enough to, to get some minutes to push Tommy. Another move that the Revolution made in the offseason, they traded for center back Dave Romney. Not a flashy move, but like a, a depth move. MLS veteran, always good to get some reliable center backs. He's been playing a fair amount. And then they also picked up, you all may know, Bobby Wood. We actually had a, a member of the old Blue Testament website, a community member that wrote this article saying, hey, Sporting should sign Bobby Wood as their striker back before they got Polito and they were looking for somebody. Bobby Wood had joined the league for Real Salt Lake and he used to be on the U.S. men's national team. And then they let him go at the end of the last season. New England picked him up in one of these complicated, fake drafty things called the re-entry draft. So he's now on the revolution. He sort of scored a couple of goals for them. So if he had scored a couple of goals for sporting, that would have doubled their goal total for the year. <laughs> so that that's their in moves. Their out moves, nothing real exciting. They got rid of a couple of backup keepers. They declined an option on midfielder Wilfred Kaptum and forward Ismail Tajuri Shroudy and MLS veteran and Bruce Arena favorite, AJ Delagarza, who used to play for the LA Galaxy. So a little bit of information there. One other thing I want to bring up about the revolution before Sheen and I do a little Q&A is Dylan Barrero. He's a young, promising attacker on their team. He has a couple of goals himself. There's actually four players on the revolution that have a couple of goals. Man, that'd be nice. A couple of goals yeah, from one, one person? That's yeah. crazy. That, I didn't even know that was allowed. I thought you were only allowed to score one per player. Tops. Uh, anyways, Barrero, he picked up a double yellow, a second red card last weekend so he will not be playing against sporting which is a big win to get an attacking player like that off the field because you know we can't score goals so it's be best if we don't give any up i would agree with that all right sheena well we we dropped the ball y'all since i canceled last thursday's podcast because i was too depressed <laughs> the way this season is going and we were like no we're gonna do the thursday podcast this week we're gonna have this thursday release or late wednesday night we'll see when the editing gets done i was like hey we forgot to do the q a we forgot to put out a question and ask what y'all wanted to ask so sheena and i thought we'll just q a each other we'll just ask each other questions. So Sheena, do you want to go first? Yeah. So I had a question about kind of this Ben Sweat signing. So my question was, I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, so he flew out there. I know yesterday based on the fact that I saw it on Instagram and then he, it was announced today, Tuesday that he's joining the team. And I was just thinking like, man, that that quick turnaround, like, how do you find a place right away? And I'm sure he's just staying in a hotel. But then I was thinking, like, the cost to move from Kansas City, which is a fairly affordable city, to Boston, maybe it's not a big deal for Ben Sweat since he was making last season at least 200000 But then I was thinking even, I don't even know why I was thinking so much about this, but, like, 
Latif Blessing when he was picked up in that um, expansion draft by LAFC and like going from Kansas City to LA is such um like price wise to afford live like how do these players who don't make a lot of money afford to live in these big cities and then I thought back to an article I'd read about Benny Fellhopper when he was on LAFC and how he I want to say he lived in San Bernardino or somewhere he lived he was taking a train for like 45 minutes every day just because it was cheaper to live further out so I don't really know if this is a question. I don't even know what the question is, but how do these players afford it if they're not making like, are they getting up per diem? Because I think in um, the NWSL, they have to be given like either housing or like a per diem for housing, right? Yeah, you you make a good point. The NWSL does have some sort of rule in there. And I apologize. I don't know it off the top of my head. This is the flaw of us just asking each other random questions. But they they would like pay for housing and cars, things like that. But I think that's built into their CBA. I don't know. If something like that exists in MLS, but I would suspect that there is at least the ability to pay for someone to move, right? If there's a trade, like you said, it can be it can be very expensive. We moved across the country a couple of years ago and it's not cheap, right? Between gasoline and if you don't if you do all the moving yourself, it's exhausting. And how would you have time to do that if you're a professional player? And Ben Sweat either has a, a wife or a girlfriend, fiance, something back here that you know, she would now need to be disrupted and moved. And, you know, other people have kids and yeah, it would be complicated. It is the part of sports that's a little crazy, especially if you think about like, if it happens in the NFL, like the minimum salary is like near a million dollars or over a million if you've been a player for long enough versus the minimum salary in major league soccer is like 60 something thousand dollars. Like for, you know, Sweat was making more than that. But like to your point about Latif, I looked it up. He, in 2017, he's making about 74,000 bucks. So it's not nothing. But that's not L.A. money. Like, how do you afford no. to live in L.A.? I don't know. And the league has gotten a lot better with wages. As I said, the minimum's still a little bit low, but it's come up dramatically since we, you know, since the league began. Or gosh, even in the last five, ten years, it's really jumped significantly. I remember when designated players would make like $200,000 and now there's guys like, gosh, uh well, I can't even think of the guy's name in Chicago. That's not always good for uh, radio when you can't remember a person's name that is making like 8 million bucks or something crazy. So there's guys making or lots like and Polito. lots of money. Yeah, Plato making a couple Doesn't million Polito? dollars. Yeah, yeah. 2.2. I know that one off the top of my head. I should have just gone with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, good question. Yeah, that was just like something. I, I don't even know that it was a question. I just was like pondering this today randomly. And I don't have a good answer, but maybe one of you listeners can let us know at For the Glory KC on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Send us a message for the glory KC gmail.com. All right, Sheena, my question for you. I write an article every week. I'll have written one probably around the time that this is available to listen to where I predict. Who's going to start? And I kind of break down every position or the positions that I think are kind of in jeopardy or maybe somebody that faltered last week or somebody's coming back from an injury. If you were Peter Vermees or say we fire Peter and we put you in charge, that makes sense to me. Obviously. What, who would you, what, what changes would you make to the lineup? Are you either eight games in? What things do you want to see change? I know you said on the last podcast, pools camp for Amelia. So I'm not letting you use that, that you already said that one. What else? Yeah, well, pools camp familia. I'm just going to throw it out there that I still agree with that statement that I made on Sunday. I would put Felipe Hernandez in there. Um, That's not a change. He's already starting. You're not going to take him off. Is I'm that not going to take. Yeah, I'm not going to take him off. I 
I want Eric Tommy on the bench, at least to start. And so who, who do you play for Eric Tommy? We heard Gotti Kinda is not going to play on that turf in New England, so it can't be Kinda. Is it Roger Espinoza? Sure, you could put Roger Espinoza. I maybe Cam Duke. I mean, he plays a lot of different positions. I, I, I gather he could play that one. He did. He has played that exact position before. I got an idea for you. Sure. What about sure. what about Alan Polito drops into the midfield? He likes to drop deep and receive the ball. Kind of he'll he'll go pretty deep sometimes to pick up the ball to stay in the action. And then you start Willie Agata in his spot up top, so you get Polito and Agata on the field together. Sure, let's do that. You know what I would also like to see and i don't know if in this scenario we can make this happen i want to see daniel shallowy on the bench as well Ooh, throwing shade so no, putting... nothing against him i just uh, you know what he has started every game i believe like let's yep. give him he's not impressing me overall i know he has a goal but like would you outside say of that goal what else has he really done like i'd like to see him come in later he, I he had the shot. Take... He had the shot that led to Agata's goal. So he's like, okay, it didn't count so... as an assist, but it's uh, it's like a half assist in my brain. I guess am I if I'm going through the Peter Vermeuse quote, some people need to see the game from the bench. Like Eric Tommy and Daniel Shallowy are two people I think I'd like to see have them see the game from the bench. Um, so yeah, I don't know who goes in for Shallowy because I think you know, what's he... ironic is that. Tommy probably could play left wing. You could put Tommy in a shallowy spot if, if you wanted. Or Marinos Janis is probably Shallowy's backup. You mean Janis Marinos? No, no, I said it right. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I know, because I say it wrong all the time. I know, I knew uh, what you were doing. I know. So, yeah, you could put him in there. Although, you know what, I, I want to like him so badly. Maybe it's because he hasn't had enough time in the game. He's just not impressing me so far. And like I said, I want to like him because we did so much research on Cyprus when he got signed. So I feel like a kinship to him. But... Yeah, I I don't know. I don't mind. Well, I guess Fontes has to play because... Well, he doesn't. Uh, you could play Chris Rindolf could play. You could play Rob, Robbie Volader could move to left center back. And you could play somebody else at left back. There's options. I, guess, I don't feel like maybe because Fontes wasn't in a whole game. I don't feel like he played bad. I don't feel like he played good on Sunday either. So I'm okay with him coming back. I would like to see Chris Arindov though. I mean, I don't think he's really been on the field so far this season. So let's throw him in there and get him some time. I'm just all for giving different players time because nothing's really working right now. So let's just switch it up. Yeah, I think there's an argument to be made that things need to be shook up. So instead of me going through all the positions, I'm going to force y'all, if you even care, go to kcsoccerjournal.com. I'll have a story out, which will have the official injury report on it, as well as I'm going to break down a lot of these positions. And I got some tinkering in my head that I've been doing. I spend way too much time thinking lineups. And uh, I don't know why Peter isn't consulting me on what my lineup uh, options are. It's like <laughs> I don't get to see practice and I don't know what's going on. And my opinion, it doesn't mean anything to him. No, it's to be fair, I haven't offered him my opinion. Maybe he would like it. Probably not. I <laughs> guarantee he doesn't want your opinion, just like he doesn't want anybody's opinion. Ooh, ooh, throwing shade. All right, Shane, I didn't I'm write any other questions. Is it not true, though? It, I mean, he if he that, wanted somebody's opinion, he would have somebody in that position. Fair enough. I, I think that a lot of people's criticism is that Peter's in a bubble. He's at the same coaching staff forever, that maybe people are yes men. 
Now, he he addressed this in an interview, I think it was last year when things were going wrong. It's hard to remember. Things have been going wrong so much in the last one and a half seasons. But he was talking about how he constantly consults with people outside the organization to get their opinion. But who knows? I don't know how like much weight we can put on that. Dinner? Like yeah, yeah. Who, maybe he's talking to his kids or something like that. With? Yeah. <laughs> no, I think he said like he said other like professionals and colleagues and people. He's you know he's got a lot of connections over all the years of both playing and he's been a coach for you know fourteen fifteen years whatever it is. So mm-hmm. I didn't write any other questions down. Sheena, did you write any other questions down for me? I did not. All right. Well, let's take a break and <laughs> we'll be back to talk Kansas City Current. And we are back through the magic of the internet. It's now Wednesday that we're recording this because we wanted to wait till the KC Current game happened. Who knew that something even bigger would happen than the KC Current game? Sheena, let's dive right into it. The KC Current, after just three games of their season where they were totally defeated, they hadn't won or drove any games, all losses, have fired head coach Matt Potter. Kind of a stunning announcement this afternoon. The announcement came down from the Current. They said the KC Current announced that the club has parted ways with head coach Matt Potter related to, quote, issues around his leadership and employment responsibilities. Assistant coach Caroline Joblom, sorry, Caroline, I don't know how to say your name, will serve as interim head coach effective immediately. Y'all may remember Caroline. She was the coach of the Sweden U19 team, the national team. Uh, but she's actually Finnish. She's a fit from Finland. Sheena, initial reactions to Matt Potter being fired after three games. Yeah, that was kind of shocking. I don't think it had anything to do with their winless record. It sounded like it's something within the organization. So it makes me wonder if people on the team, the ladies on the team, somebody had complained about him or felt uncomfortable by him, or maybe there was a I don't know. I, I, I'm just surprised like that was especially because they they played tonight. So that was like the shocking thing. It made me wonder, like, did something come up like spur of the moment and they had to fire him right away based off of whatever information they had? Pretty shocking, unexpected. Yeah, I will agree with that. The really sudden nature of things is the team is in Houston for their first game of the NWSL Challenge Cup. They won. We'll talk about that in a second. But he had actually coached and ran practice on Tuesday, and then he was fired Wednesday before the game happened, like, I don't know, a few hours before the game was set to start. So he was fired in Houston, or did he not travel with yeah. the team? He was traveling with the team yeah, when he was fired, and he ran oh, practice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it makes me think something happened, maybe something inappropriate. I don't know. Something had to suddenly have happened for him to get fired in Houston um, a few hours before they were supposed to play. It's um, an interesting plot twist, so we'll have to see what comes of it and what more they say. I feel like you got to address it more, but I guess the silver lining of it is with him out as the coach so last minute, the team was able to rally together and they won their game tonight. So that's good. It's pretty shocking overall. There's a further quote in this press release from general manager Camille Ashton. Doesn't say her other last name. That's interesting. It just said, quote, we watch the play on the pitch. We keep a pulse on the locker room and we are constantly evaluating ways to improve our club. Through our ongoing process of continuous improvement, we believe now is the right time for this change. So to your point, it could be results-based, right? I mean, they lost three games. They're expected to be contenders for the title, and they're off to a really bad start. At the same time, they're missing a ton of their players. 
They had like nine players on their injury report the other day. That's pretty brutal. It does make you think something else is going on. We haven't really heard anything else yet. Nothing was said in the post-game press conference that really led anything to this, which, of course, that would be the coach. She wouldn't be the person to ask. You know, She's just stepping in on short notice. She probably either doesn't know or, or, or who knows what's going on. A lot of folks were speculating that story we covered earlier in the season about Makia Minish. She was a draft pick and came in and there, her mom went online and made these complaints that the current hadn't paid for her daughter's travel and her food accommodations. And they kind of like called it, it seemed to be like implying like mental abuse of her daughter and the way things were handled. And she's since quit soccer since she was cut from the team. We talked about that before. I won't beat that to death because nothing new has come out on it. But I wonder if maybe they did an investigation and something that came out as a part of that led to this. I don't know. It's possible he just lost the locker room. That quote in there, it says, we keep a pulse on the locker room. Maybe people don't believe in Matt Potter anymore. It's kind of wild to think that he was coaching in the NWSL finals just four games ago and then he's fired both coaches actually from that NBSL championship game are now gone. Portland's coach is gone as well. And they won the finals. They were they were uh, let go between seasons. So the NWSL is known for its instability at times, particularly in coaching. I think it was last season where there were literally 10 new coaches. There was 10 te- or maybe there's 12 teams and 12 new coaches. I don't know. I'm getting the numbers all jacked up here. But the point is there's constant turnover. There's constant upheaval. There's been a lot of controversy around the league and the way that coaches and people of power have treated the players both awful like harassment issues and and other things of that nature so i hope it's nothing like that matt seemed like a nice guy when we would talk to him he was a tough interview because he never really said anything so maybe at least we'll be able to get a little bit more out of new coach caroline hopefully she's uh, more forthcoming with information about what's happening with the current yeah, I hope so. I had forgotten about the the mom going online and tweeting about her daughter's experience with the team. So maybe it was just like a snowball effect of things and maybe something happened in the locker room and that was the final straw or maybe they their findings from if they did an investigation on the mom's allegations came through. It, it has to be a bigger story. I just... You don't just fire somebody in another city a few hours before the game starts. And it has to be pretty bad if you're doing it in another city and you're not waiting till at least you get back. So uh, there's some controversy there, and I'm curious to find out what it is. Yeah, we're definitely going to find out more in the future. I don't really have anything else on Mr. Potter. How about yourself? I don't have anything else. All right, let's switch gears. Let's talk about the match that they played in Houston on Wednesday. It was the opening round of the NWSL Challenge Cup. A lot of new attention going to this competition this year. It's usually been a preseason tournament. You know, it's like, do you play your starters? Do you rest your starters? Now it's going to be happening in season. There will be six games as a part of the cup before they go into the kind of the semifinals and the finals. The Houston Dash approached this as like a tournament they maybe didn't care as much about. They played Eight different players from their lineup that tied the Portland Thorns over the weekend. KC, on the other hand, did make a few changes, but they appeared to be going for it in the match. Uh, their subs were Cassie Miller was in in goal. The, their new signing, Croy Soto, played center back along with Addison Merrick. She was newly into the starting lineup. And then CC Kaiser returned from her excused absence over the weekend. Not hurt, just was gone for personal reasons. Uh, that sent to the bench, AD French, you know, her as the U.S. Women's National Team third string goalkeeper, Jenna Weinbrenner, Haley Mace wasn't even on the bench, and then 
Chardonnay Curran went to the bench for this match. What ultimately ended up happening was a two-goal win, 2 nothing. I would say it didn't instill a ton of confidence in me. The defense looked incredibly shaky still, which kind of makes sense. You have two rookies back there. Merrick, who's not really been a regular starter. Mace was out of the lineup, although she's struggled a bit this year. I was definitely not confident based on the way that they played, but but they won. They got the job done. And that's like progress. That's moving in the right direction. So I don't know. Did the team just rally around their new coach? Was it because they had a stronger lineup out there? I mean, they played many of their starters in this matchup. I'm not certain. Mostly, Sheena's probably not going to talk about this game, so I'll just keep going here because she did not watch it. She was actually editing the first half of this podcast. The plan was for me to come back and just talk about this game alone and do my first ever alone portion of the podcast, but then Matt Potter got fired, so we changed plans in the middle of the day, and uh, here we are. A couple other things from the game that I think are worth mentioning is both good and bad. It's actually, it's pretty sad. Mallory Weber, she had been out. She played 19 minutes in the 2022 season and she tore her ACL. She'd been out for the year. She returned in this game as a substitute, came on to play kind of that left wing back role, subbed in for Izzy Rodriguez. And after 31 minutes, she hurt her knee and had to be helped off the field. So who knows? We don't know the the severity of the injury now, but two, a player and a trainer had to help her off the field. Didn't look like she could put a lot of weight on it. So it might be another bad injury. It's not uncommon when you tear an ACL to overcompensate on the other leg and then later tear it. Lots of people that tear one end up tearing the other later. I apologize. I don't know which one she tore previously compared to which one she hurt against Houston. So that's really a bummer for Weber. She had just returned and it likely going to be out a while, but we wish her the best. Hopefully it's it's nothing serious, but it didn't look good live in the moment. As far as the game goes, though, uh, I mentioned CeCe Kaiser got credit for both the goals. Uh, the first goal definitely was hers. The second one, it was interesting. Uh, the cross was sent in. It was like Dabinia had played the ball down the sideline to Kate Del Fava, who then sent this really nice cross in. And Kaiser really made a hustle play to get on the end of the ball, kicked it. I thought she just kicked it straight into the net, but actually on replay, you can see she kicks it. It goes off the head of the defender and into the goal. So to me, it seemed like an own goal because the the way the shot was going, I think the keeper probably could have gotten to it, but maybe because they are saying it was on target or potentially on target, they're giving her credit for the goal. If that goal stands, if they don't go back and change it, it'll be the first time one player has scored twice in the history of the Kansas City Current. I thought that was an interesting stat that Opta put out after the game. But I don't have a ton of thoughts about this game because it is a Challenge Cup game. It doesn't carry as much weight. They need to translate this victory into continued action this weekend. So let's switch gears. Let's talk about the KC Current. Chad, can I add something to this conversation? Yes. Okay, well, I just wanted to... Talk a little bit. I'm on the Twitter and Daniel Sperry came up and he was at the press conference after the game. And basically, um, how do you say her name? Caroline, how do you say her last name? Your guess is as good as mine. Jobloom? Shajablom? Yeah, that S S is definitely silent. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, we'll have to learn her name. But basically, she said that to the press after the game she tried to preach calm to the team as much as possible saying it was a bit chaotic today in general and then there's also another quote that Daniel Sperry got saying we just came together and wanted to everybody to express how they were feeling 
We connected with the girls back in KC. It was almost better we had a game because it gave us something to focus on. Low saying that, it just says, low the KC Currents prep losing a coach on match day. And then one last thing that he had tweeted is both Low and CC said they didn't have a problem with Potter. They mentioned how quickly Caroline was on them about mistakes and poor touches from their first session with her. And Daniel asked if that was something missing with Potter in charge. Lowe said she didn't think so. So that's just a little up-to-date information. Hot off the press, the Twitter press from Daniel Sperry's Twitter account. All right. Yeah. Lowe talked to CBS Sports Network after the game, too. And she kind of echoed some of those same things, talking about how they just had to come together, focus. They got their emotions out and had a like kind of a meeting before to go through this because they just found out today as well. Obviously, he was coaching them yesterday, so kind of wild how quickly it all it all happened. All right, let's switch gears. Let's talk about the game this weekend. So uh, the KC Current are still 0-3 in NWSL play. They're, this win does not count on that record. This is a separate competition, kind of like the U.S. Open Cup a little bit, but but not really because it's still just NWSL teams instead of like all the women's teams, which why isn't there a women's U.S. Open Cup? There totally should be. I digress. The current are going to host the Orlando Pride this Sunday at 6.30 p.m. at Children's Mercy Park. They will be taking on the only team in the league that has the same terrible record that they have. Orlando also is 0-3. They're actually technically in last place because they've given up one more one more negative goal differential than Kansas City. They have a negative seven to Casey's negative six. Because we spent so much time talking about the other game and the, the firing of Coach Potter, don't have a ton to say about this game. I want to kind of go over the injury report since we know a little bit about what's going on. There was a little bit of bad news. This Gosh, there's just bad news all the time if it comes to injuries in Kansas City. Uh, Mimi Larson, who had played over the weekend and scored against the Chicago Red Stars, she's now popped up on the injury report. She's now questionable. So, And then going into tonight's game, Wednesday game, the these players were all out. Sam Mewis, Claire Lavoger, Desiree Scott, Hannah Glass, Morgan Gautreau, Kristen Hamilton, Elizabeth Ball, and Alex Loera. It's like a half of a starting lineup right there all by itself all all out injured so adding larson to that's a bit of a a blow my big question coming into the weekend is they're going to be a little tired right they're playing this midweek game but everybody's playing midweek challenge cup games so maybe it's not an excuse i think they have to somehow find a way to overcome this i just wonder if are they going to be a little run into the ground kaiser had the past weekend game off so maybe she'll be good to go but michelle cooper's played a ton of minutes tabinia's recovering from injury you've got you know, players going down hurt. Mace got to sit the game out, so, so presumably she'll be ready to go this weekend. Whatever lineup they put out there, though, they have got to start winning games. Orlando's a bad team. KC's supposed to be one of the best teams. If they can't beat them at home, I'm going to start getting a little worried. They've already fired their coach, though, so I don't know what else they could do. Maybe Cammy's job is in jeopardy next. She built this roster that's full of injured players. I don't know. It seems like there's a, maybe a short leash for Casey current. They've had two coaches in two seasons. Now they're up to a third coach entering their third season here. It's wild how fast the turnover has gone and all the all the controversy that's gone on. It, it's it's feeling really weird because this team is in a bit of, I don't know if shambles is the right word because they came together really well after this happened, but they're just struggling so hard when they were expected to be so good. But the same excuse that I give to Sporting KC about, hey, imagine how good they're going to be when they have all their injured players back. It feels doubly true of the current 
but the season is super short. You're already three games into a 22-game season. They're going to have to get it together. Sheena, did you have any thoughts about the Orlando game? I don't have any thoughts on it, but since we're talking about injuries, real quick, since this is new today, Graham Zussi is now on the injury report with a hamstring issue. I don't know if you saw that. That is news to me. I was pretty darn busy today. I didn't get a chance to look, oh. and I got off work and immediately watched the KC Current Games. You're breaking news to me, but I'll turn it into a story very quickly <laughs> for tomorrow. Yeah, I think it just came out during the KC Current Game. I think he was the only new person on the injury report, if I remember correctly. Well, gosh, that is quite a blow for Sporting KC because that means they literally have no healthy left backs and no healthy right backs on their team. And they just cut Ben Sweat saying, we have so much you know, so many players at the position, we don't we don't need Ben Sweat. Not that he is the answer to this, but man, uh, Cam Duke, I guess, uh, right back. I'm not sure. That, that'll be interesting. Yeah, maybe you bring in an MLS Sporting KC2 next pro player. Uh, he was just questionable, so he could play. Who knows? Yeah, that'll be intriguing because Sporting will play again midweek against Tulsa Athletic in the U.S. Open Cup. So you don't want to put too many minutes on these guys. I definitely think it's likely that we'd see some SKC2 players on that. Speaking of SKC2's right back, Lucas Rosa, he's played almost every minute. He subbed out of that 4-0 win because they didn't need him to stay in there. He scored the MLS Next Pro goal of the week from right back. He, he had a heck of a volley that he blasted into the back of the net. So maybe he does get one of those little mini loans where you come up and you play. He might be too old, though. I, I have to look and read the requirements because there's like an age limit on who they can loan up from their MLS Next Pro team. It's funny. He just graduated college, oh. but I want to say he's like 25 already. I'm not sure why that's the oh, case. Oh, but... I, I remember you talking about this. And let's not knock 25 five-year-olds graduating college. I was just slightly younger than that when I finished. So don't knock on the older college grads. Yeah, maybe he was like a fifth-year senior thing and he played because of COVID probably extended his collegiate stay. Yeah, it takes a while to finish college. Honestly, like the only people I know that finish college super fast are people that don't have jobs and we had full-time jobs through college. So we have a good excuse as to why it took us a little long to get that quote four year degree. Yeah. All right. So I think that's a good possibility. We'll we'll talk more about that. We'll kind of prep that athletic game after we talk about hopefully a big sporting Kansas City win, right? We were depressed in the first half of the podcast and we didn't think they're gonna beat New England. Honestly, they're probably not gonna beat New England, but you never yeah, know. Yeah, I'm like, what, what, are what you better time to turn about? it around? What better what better time to turn it around than now, right? I mean, the ninth game of the season, the ninth time's the charm. That's a common expression, right? Uh if you don't have a healthy left back or right back it doesn't seem promising you never know you never know all right y'all it's time for the digital crawl so let's talk about it sporting kansas city 2 will be playing this weekend at fc cincinnati 2 on sunday at 6 p.m weirdly this game is not appears it does not appear to be on mls season pass kind of a bummer i had heard that not all the games were going to be on season pass but that's the only team that i'm enjoying watching this year although the current making a comeback after beating houston this this uh evening the other news we have julie ertz you know her uh formerly julie johnson signed with angel city fc she had been traded to angel city fc last year never played and then kind of recovering from injuries and they, she'd had a child and all these different things and then she was a free agent. So there was talk that she might end up somewhere else. Well, she didn't end up somewhere else. She's back with Angel City and back with the U.S. Women's National Team. She looked quite good. Yeah, well, I mean, she was a little rusty. She picked up a yellow card immediately. But you could see her quality as soon as she came into the game. And then the only thing, other thing I have in the digital crawl is 
Old Big Bear himself, John Poolskamp, just turned 22 years old. Doesn't look a day under 38, though. Man, John, you're mountain man over there. I'm just kidding. Yeah, he's a handsome That's fellow. That's so rude. That's so rude. When, when, whenever we first found out about Poolskamp and they're like, he's 18, I was like, dude, he looks more mature than I do. <laughs> like, he looks more, like, grown up than I am. Like, oh, it's crazy. Boy. So... I'm just joking. I mean, great for him. He's only 22. Like you said, we want him to get back into that starting job. Maybe PV will give him a birthday gift and put him back in the starting lineup. I hope so. I hope so. That was what I said on Instagram. That would be a great birthday present for him. And he deserves the starting job again. So I hope he gets it. All right. Well, not, let's not rehash the first half of the podcast. If you all have made it this far and you have not already, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Tell all your Kansas City soccer friends. Come commiserate together with us. It, even though I have a happy tone, I am still sad about all the losing. It really does bum me out. But thank goodness SKC2 and The Current are finding some wins Sporting, it's your turn. Let's get that going. You can find us by searching for The Glory KC wherever you get your podcast. Be sure to give us a five-star rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And you can follow us on all the social media sites at For The Glory KC on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Email us, ForTheGloryKC at gmail.com. We may read your email on the air. Follow me at PlayFor90 on Twitter. And here's Christian Leo with Write It Like You Mean It. Take care, everybody. Bye.